right, welcome to the Delayed Gratification Podcast. I have a very special guest today, uh, somebody that is really, really important to me. And I want I want you guys to know why she's important to me, but why she's going to be important to you, especially around building wealth. Jennifer. Hello. I'm going to give you a chance to introduce yourself, but I got a question, and this is something that we talk about in the entrepreneurial wealth building space. And you take it a little bit deeper. We always go into how important is mindset, right? Mm-hmm. But for you, you talk about how important the mental state is mm-hmm. for building wealth. Tell me mm-hmm. why the mental state and how did you get there, like really talking about the mental state in building wealth? You know, um, so we talk about mental wealth. Mental wealth is a lot of different things other than just a financial money part of it. Um, just as a cognitive behavior therapist, I think about your mindset, how your thoughts affect your behavior. And so as you're moving into things, you're thinking about your thoughts and your behavior. Ultimately, you shift your life. So when you think about your mental wealth, is what are those things actually that can help you to be whole? Uh, whether it's time, of self-care, or it's positive talk and positive thought, all of those things. And they are equally as important when you're building financial wealth to combine all of those things. Man. You said cognitive. You use some big words. <laughs> I, I want to make sure that we understand what you do. And then you can, matter of fact, just tell us who you are. And then very well, very do. well. So I'm Jennifer Lester. I am a licensed psychotherapist. I am a mental health advocate. I am a public speaker. I'm an author of a book called 14 Ways to Find Your Amazing. And uh, in fact, I'm celebrating five years, five years of helping people find their amazing around the world. Uh, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I believe that your thoughts affect your behavior. You change your thoughts, you change your behavior, and ultimately you can change your life. Thoughts, change your behavior. Change your life. Change your life. Change your life. Wow. So so I'm going to be a little personal. Okay. So about five years ago, (laughs) I had to come and lay my head back on the sofa. Okay. And and what I will say is prior to that, um, there were some blockages. And still it's going to take time, but there were some blockages to me growing. Mm -hmm. And some things happened. And I know I needed some help, right? Do you help everybody or is there a special category of people that you help? So um, I'm in, in addition to being a, uh, a psychotherapist, I also am a life coach. And, and little known fact, I'm a hypnotherapist. So so funny, really, people come like, oh, can you hypnotize me? But honestly, when um, I can help anybody. And so because it's your mental state and everybody's mental state is different. And what I talk about in my book on defining your amazing is that everybody amazing is different. It's really uh, looking at that purpose, that really that one thing that you were created specifically for. But uh, it's interesting when you talked about how your mental blah. Now, you said it because confidentiality didn't allow me to say it. You said <laughs> you were laying your head on my shoulder. But and honestly, um, that's the biggest thing. A lot of people come and say that I'm blocked or I'm stuck. And I was speaking to a group at the um, Omni Hotel in Atlanta, and I was talking about being stuck. And you're never really stuck. You're only using old ways to open new doors, and it just doesn't work. And so what the strategy is, or what my tips and tools and strategy is, is that, you know, can help people to kind of use other ways. Let's say if I was a fighter, I may have to fight for my community where I come from. But as you grow and you become um, more aware or triggers or you come, your circle is different, you no longer need to use that strategy to survive anymore. And, but I'm still using it and it doesn't work and we find ourselves stuck. But how do we, what do you recommend? Because when we're stuck, right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Most of us don't know we're stuck and it took a long time for us to get stuck. Mm-hmm. So how do we, how do you help us get unstuck, unstuck. and um, not get stuck again? 
an easy way I think um, Ramon is to thinking about being stuck is that I am. Um, it's called like the rocket horse syndrome. I'm moving, but I see no progress. Or um, motion. Motion doesn't mean progress. And so I'm doing some things, but I'm still yielding the same result. Uh, but I know I'm putting the effort. It's probably the same old ways that you're using, so they don't yield new results. And so the easier place to see is like, you know, measuring my progress. Like, how am I going? Whether it is financially, whether it's emotionally, uh, whether it's your own goals, whatever it is, is that that's a clear way to feel like, hey, I'm stuck. These are things that, you know, and so to change that, you kind of employ new strategies and new tools or try something different. It's easy to be consistent in the old way. Because um, we're comfortable, we're familiar with that. A little bit of anxiety comes up when we got to try something new. I feel a little bit different when I try to, tr you know, when it's something it's new. Let me try. But uh, but being stuck is that you know it's easy to be unstuck. You know, so it's ways that we taught ourselves. So so yeah, we taught ourselves the ways to get stuck, uh -huh. right? But getting unstuck, and I'm gonna stay here for a second. Come on. Where do I go? Because most of us, let me back up. So I know you a couple of ways, mm -hmm. right? But many people know, and they call you this, and we, I was laughing. You're like the person that helped the stars, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, therapist to the stars, <laughs> kind of move, yeah. To the stars. But for most of us, we don't have the circle of people to say, you know what? You've been there for a while. You, you want to be better. You want to build wealth. You want to be better for your family. Where do we go? Because... I wouldn't know where to go if I didn't have a yeah. recommendation to come to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there are a lot of stigmas in our community about mental health. Um, now people are using life coaching a lot, uh, which is a really good place to coach. I don't care what level of play, whether you are literally or you're in the pros. I think coaching is a great place to um, to be, to have, you know, for uh, every, every star, whatever you are, have had a coach. But it's an easy way into self-help. So I don't have to say I'm, I'm in a therapist. I have a therapist because then people associate the therapist with, oh, I'm crazy. Or you're, you know, you're not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Or, you know, you know, all of the things that come with when you talk about mental health, particularly mental health in our community and mental health with men. And so, um, so it is recommendation or lowering those stigmas that, you know, mental health is It's brave. It takes brave. Someone who's really self-aware to say, I need help. And so looking at that, when you be on, this is a key to know that you can need some professional help. When I've exhausted my friends, I've talked, my coworkers over it, you know, the, uh, my network of people have heard the same story over and over and they've given you all that they can. It's time for maybe another uh, professional approach to be able to help you to move forward. You said especially men. Men, especially men. <laughs> especially men. So why especially men? Um, because there is a um, expectation of men to be strong, not to show emotion. You think about when you were younger, if you, um, a very example, I was working with a group of early educators and it was a little boy and a little girl that were on a trike. And um, the little boy fell off and he scraped his knee and the little girl fell off and scraped her knee. They all ran over to the little girl and they go, oh my goodness, they start kissing, they start doing it. And then the little boy was like, are you all right? You tough, you don't have to do, you don't have to cry. His knee was scraped to the white meat uh, and bleeding just like hers was. And I'm sure he hurt equally, but uh, 
he will he had to suppress his emotions. You don't show it. You strong. You a boy. Tough up. You all right with the little girl. Let me put a they put a cute little band-aid on hers and they hugged her. Somebody had ice and she got to hold that held her the whole time. And so then at that very early age, we're still we're boys to learn to suppress their emotions. So then where do you go when you're 30? You expect them now to be able to say, hey, you know, talk about feelings and emotions. And, you know, they don't have it. They haven't practiced it. We've been practicing as girls since we were about two. So what does that do to us, though, when we're suppressing our emotions? What do you feel like that does? And how do you help us not suppress? Them? So that's a very good point. So you, you think about it, if when your emotions are suppressed, it's like in the body. So you shake up a bottle and you open it up and it pops. It blows off. It's going to blow off at some point. And so um, then when I don't show it, it shows other ways. I, I may um, lead to unhealthy habits, um, eating, drinking, you know, a lot of different stuff or explosion go all the way off. And then you kind of think about it and bring it back down instead of letting it be something that's naturally, that's natural. Okay. And, um, and because of that, it can hinder and affect every area of your life. And so, you know, I know you specialize in wealth and building wealth, and that's a hindrance. What I've seen that, you know, people come and they say, oh, I got this place, I'm stuck. And I realize it's things from their past. And that's the difference between the life coaching and the therapy. When it's things from your past that's holding you hostage, it's more unique therapeutic work. If you've got a particular goal, I'm just trying to build to that goal, then it's more life coaching. But it's things from their past that's really keeping them from acquiring the wealth and the success that they need. That they're looking for. Ooh. Man, we got some work to do. <laughs> we have work to do. But it's a lot. You know, um, what's what's uh, uplifting is that these conversations like this and, um, you know, the uh, events that you have where it's men. I know you were doing one thing where you were just bringing men into play and having and that. That's a great place because they need it just as much as women. It's just that they uh, need to be in a place where they feel safe and free to be able to open to talk about their stressors. So I... And this is any uh, life coach. I'm going to call it life coach. Uh-huh. Right? Um, when I start on a journey with working with a life coach, what kind of time frame should I expect? Because is it going to happen overnight? We're going to fix me. Or not fix me, but <laughs> get me unstuck. Get you unstuck. Right? <laughs> I they fix me. Give me some broke, strategies. Right? But what, what do you normally tell people? Like, again, we want things in this kind of one of those ages where everything's supposed to happen overnight. Mm -hmm, microwave. But if I'm 40 years old and I've been holding this stuff in with these habits, how long should it take us to mm. fix them? Each person them? is different. Okay. So your time, it's just like when, you, um, when you're dealing with something like grief. You know, somebody may be able to grieve differently and it's over and somebody may take two or three years. There is no time frame on it. It is the consistency in work. So the difference between who you are and who you want to be is consistency. It's consistent. So how consistent you are to working on that is how fast you'll see the results. Who I am and who I want to be. It's consistent. So you know one of the biggest problems in the diff the, that distance. We don't know who we want to be. Right. 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 And figuring out who we want to be, finding our purpose, is still, a, I think, a scary topic for people. Because mm -hmm. so sometimes it takes your whole life to figure out your whole purpose. Life. You know what? So an easy, uh, easy thing for me when people come. Um, so my company is called The Purpose Project. Um, it's celebrating 14 years of being in business as a um, multidisciplinary behavior health practice. But um, when people come to me and they're asking me, how do I know my purpose? How to figure out my purpose? One of the first places that I push them back to is that, what do your friends call and ask you to do? 
So not what you want to do or not what you think that you're so good at, but what do your friends call and ask you to do? And so if you saying that I want to be a chef, but nobody's asked you to bake the potato salad for the barbecue, nobody asked you to bring the mac and cheese to the Thanksgiving day, probably not what you're strong at. But if people are always calling you and asking you financial advice, or people are always calling you, ask you to organize something, or people are calling you to ask you to help with, um, help manage things right here. That's usually probably what you're really good at. Not what you want to be good at, but what you're naturally good at is what your friends and your family ask you to do often. I never thought about it that mm-hmm. way. What did my friends ask me to no, I don't think that's my purpose with that. <laughs> <laughs> Not if they keep calling you, asking for money. Like, hey, can I borrow? Can I let me get a grand? So if they're calling you for that, but usually your skill set lies because what people see is what you're really good at. And so uh, I was helping a young lady, like, oh, they call me, ask me for advice. What they probably seen is that you've given advice before in the past that worked, mm-hmm. or they see that you make good, strong decisions for yourself. And so they're asking you for some of that. That's what people are asking you for, and it's usually where your giftedness lies. So. The, again, that purpose, mm-hmm. it takes time to develop it, right? Is I that, think it takes time to rediscover it. Okay. I think you will, you already had it. You showed up here with it. I think that um, the outside noises um, from your family, from your friend, from media, social media, helped to drown it. And so they said that, you know, when your inside voice becomes louder than your outside voice, you've mastered life. When your inside voice becomes louder than your outside voice, you've mastered life. I'm getting there. So, yeah. So, I mean, the voices of so many different things. I had a client one day, she was an ER doctor, and she said that she wanted to be at IT. And I told her, you never want to be a doctor anyways. Uh, culturally, her family told us, if you're in the medical field, you'll never work. You always say, you never not work. You'll always have a job. It was just such a noble career to have. It wasn't what she was passionate about. Your passion leads you to your purpose. If you don't know where, you know, you can't discover it. And those things that you're passionate about kind of moves you in that way and puts you there. So the amazing thing is that when passion and purpose collide, though, so when they match up, that's when you begin to touch and change everyone around you. Ooh, I like that one. So we're on the delayed gratification okay. podcast, right? And so one of the things, what you just said is, well, I know my purpose. I got passion for it, but it's so many things delaying it, challenges, distractions, Mm -hmm. life. How do we get through that to realize? To really be on track with collide. Oh, let me tell you that if fear, um, you know this and you've heard this. Many people, motivational people said it. Fear of cure more dreams than anything else. So it is fear. So I, I, I talk about adding more love to your life. And so when you add more love, it's more gratitude, more, um, more of what you want. You focus on that which I want. So fear leads us so often. Either you're the master or the slave of your life, right? And so this is even in money, finance, and this is really a good tie back to, your, to the financial uh, and the wealth part of it. In life, we could be sitting here and we're having this same conversation. I'm you're here on the gratification podcast, the delayed gratification podcast, and I'm doing this because I got to. I got to do it because, you know, I got to feed my family. I got to try to make some money to do that. I got to. I got to. That's fear. You are the slave. If I do it because I want to, I wake up and I can't imagine myself doing anything but this. I know that what I'm doing is going to change worlds, change lives and stuff. It is, I'm the master of my life. Because same thing. One, I do it because I want to. The other one, do it because I have to. One is led from fear. One is led out of love. 
One is master of your life. The other one, you become the slave of your life. Does that apply to parenting too? It, you know, you can add, add it to a parenting decision. I base every decision on it's a, if it's made out of love or if it's out of fear. So I can stop parenting tomorrow. <laughs> God, I got to. You know what I'm saying? Not that I want to. Yeah, now you that part right there. You can't give that piece can't up. That piece no, up. that can't be. But you think about this: um, the people that you're working with, and you're helping acquire wealth. Some of them doing it because you know I got to, I got to feed my family, I got to do this. And then that's led out of fear. But when it becomes led, I love it flows naturally. I'm doing it because I want to change my whole uh, scope of what our future look like, the future for my family and children. For uh, understanding what you know what it's gonna, it makes me feel good to wake up every day to know that I'm working towards something. That's love. I'm doing it because I'm just trying to ooh, invest in this real estate and trying to figure this money out because you know we got to eat around here and it's just, I might as well do it. It's it's it's, it's fear. Lease it. Hmm. So I'm I'm at an age where, you know, all of my friends are, and I got new friends that are younger. Uh -huh. them, but most of my friends are thinking about we're kind of in the middle. We're retiring. We're thinking about retirement, and then we're thinking about what's happening with our kids. Mm -hmm. So we're in that in that middle. So the gratification piece of that is, I want to, I don't want to say retire because I don't think I ever want to stop doing what I do because I right. love doing what I do, right? But I want to get to a point where I know that the next few generations is okay, and I know that I put into them what I all I could. But you can. When do we realize we're okay with that? How long does that take? What does that look like for most people? Because that causes a lot of anxiety, and especially I'm gonna go back to I'm not not talking to the ladies, but I'm talking to the men. That's why we are like stressed out a lot because mm -hmm. we're figuring out are we are we providing properly? Are we protecting properly? Are we Putting up for the future property. Right. Did we do the right thing for those kids? It, it's a lot going on. It's a, it's a, it is a lot. Um, I think when you get towards that, I, I, I see a lot of people that show up when they're at 40. At 40. At 40. When at 40, you realize they start thinking, I got more life um, behind me than I have in front of me. They start, and then there's something in there start thinking about that dash. Um, well, it matters. Then. You know, before they everything else, but that that in between from whatever you were born to that in the middle and making a difference. I see that uh, happen a lot. It's a shift. Something changes in uh, your thought and mind uh, for that. And so I think that you never, one of the things I, I liked about um, just in life and purpose, you just never uh, stop. Um, when you say retiring, it's just sometimes you retire, but it's a different just path that you're on. It's another different, your second life, as they call it. You know, it's figuring out something else. But what I find is that somehow it's always, your purpose is always tied back into it some kind of way. You never escape it. It haunts you, it chases you, follows you, stalks you. What do you think happens at 40? Like, what? I don't know. You know what? Something happens at 40. You think about when 40, when you get 40, when something clicks in your mind, thinking like, Oh, you start feeling like, okay, um, you remember we used to think like, back oh my God, 40 was so old, but I now, you, uh -huh. you remember, that? Like, you remember like, thinking that 40, 40 is, when I tell you is you're living, but something happens in us um, that clicks and says that, let me stop playing. Mm. Let me make my life, um, this part of my life worth living, you know, or what am I contributing? You start thinking like if somebody had to say something to me today, what is it that they would say? You know what I'm saying? So you start thinking that piece of it at 40 uh, and 40 and beyond. And then you start shifting and changing 
People trying to, you know, I want, I want matter. I want, what am I leaving? What am I doing? Because now you're 20 and 30, you've partied. And, you know, we were invincible in that time. And you start realizing, like, I got a little aches and pains. I might not be as invincible or tough as I thought. So 40 clicks, something clicks in your mind. And a lot of, the, a lot of who I have a chance to interact with are 40 mm -hmm. plus, right? And those conversations have changed now i've been pretty serious probably too serious uh -huh. in my life so when i hit 40 i started thinking about like even as recently you know just thinking about what did i miss i posted something on social media and i said you know what i've never watched the entire movie of life the movie life uh-huh people were like you really tripping i said i've never been to a hbcu football game they're like are you crazy bro? but what i did was all of my young years i parted a little bit I worked like crazy. Mm -hmm. So now I'm reflecting on I was working like crazy wanting to be so grown so fast, right? Wanting to protect, provide, uh -huh, uh -huh. stressed out. I want to make sure that, and I'm at that point doing it because I want to make the money. I wasn't doing it just because I loved it. I figured out I love uh -huh. the real estate world, you know, early on, but I was doing it. I want to make some money. Make money. So it's changing a lot. So, you know, in doing that, that gratification piece hadn't come in yet. Mm. All the works I did before, the gratification piece that I've gotten thus far is I provided for the family. Mm -hmm. But for me personally, think about that. i never seen the movie Life. <laughs> I watched it this weekend. Did you? I finally watched it. it what you think about really it? Good movie. It I was good. At the time, you know, yeah. you get mad at him because like this old man life is messed up because of somebody else's. Somebody but yeah, else's. it's a funny movie. And then going to HBCU game when I posted that, it must be yesterday, the day before. People were like, are you serious? I literally was sitting at the barbershop next to Clark Stadium and stand outside sometimes, look at the fence and watch the band when the game was on. But I never went to the game because me sitting still long enough, I, just, I was going to get any gratification out of sitting at the game at yeah. that point. Now, I got two girls at two HBCUs, so I got to go. You got to right? go. So I'll get more out of it because now I'm enjoying the game, the band, but I'm enjoying my children enjoying themselves. Yeah. I think I get more gratification out of that. So that is, uh, yeah. After and 40. you put in the work early on. Yeah, we got some more work to put in. But I enjoy the work. I have enjoyed the work because I was able to provide for the family. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know what I mean? And I think a lot of us, at, like you said, when we hit 40, we start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. How long, what is that gratification? When do I start to feel that gratification? How long does it have to be delayed? Is it 60? Because our parents and grandparents really their gratification was 60 plus when they mm -hmm, retired mm -hmm, mm -hmm. what was retirement age 65 65 like yeah 65 mm -hmm. so that's when they finally got now the kids all, all all okay how long should we have to wait like yeah. can we get smaller increments of ratification you can you should be getting along the way though okay so delay is not delight night so it's kind of like it's a little bit, you know, here and there because it's what keeps you going, though. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, it it keeps you going because you want to feel good about something. You think about um, that's why you keep score. Mm. You keep score instead cause, because I'm thinking like it, it's counting your wins and just a small little wins along the way kind of keeps you motivated. You know what's crazy? I I didn't I didn't celebrate wins. I'm learning how to do it now. I remember I graduated from law school, and I was like, okay, y'all, <laughs> it's 6 o'clock. It's time to, we need to go look at some houses. Like, everybody was like, no, bro, we got 
gotta go out to eat. We gotta pop some balloons. <laughs> right. You know, but I just now learning, like, okay, you just close something or the house just got painted. Man, let's just be happy that I I would never do it. And that caused when I look back, it caused a lot of um I'm gonna say anxiety and stress. Cause I just went from one thing to the next without stopping to celebrate. So is that celebration a part of, cause I see some people celebrate too much now, in my opinion. And I'm going to be, agree with that opinion. Some things it's like, Oh, we sell it. It's, um, I have a, a I was going to say a little bit, but a lot of that in you, uh, that you have in there. And I think most, um, like a lot of hard workers or entrepreneur people or kind of, um, I'm, I'm like, Jeezy, I'm going to celebrate when my summer's out. You know, like, well, when it's out. <laughs> it's a lot of coming out. But um, you start thinking about, um, for me, with celebration pieces. Yeah, I celebrate. But in my head, I'm also thinking, like, I can't win a game with yesterday points, the points that I scored in the other game. So it's just kind of, uh, but it does cause you to go on and keep going on and on and on. And with that, you don't get a chance. So you have to take a moment just to kind of celebrate or give thanks, some type of gratitude, like uh, thanks for being able to accomplish this or whatever, just to kind of uh, reflect in a bit. And then we move on to the next. And then it's almost like I never get to a point or end. It just continues to go. And like you said, a lot of anxiety and a lot of stresses that come from that. So you got to take a moment, even for yourself. Do you think that's a, a male thing? Like, a lot of my friends, we say the same thing. Like, we really didn't celebrate because we feel like, that scoreboard is changing. Well, like it's almost like going back to zero every morning. Like every morning is back at zero. So I didn't take that week long vacation. Yeah. I didn't take two days off. I didn't, you know. Yeah. So is that a? Do you think that's pri- primarily a male thing? And then why, especially in our community, why a lot of us are so stressed out? It can be. I think. I think. I definitely think it's, it's a male thing because of pressure. You know, you're, you're 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 there to provide, to protect, to you know all of that. And so when you don't do that, then your standard of who you are as a male is measured against that. Uh, so the anxiety of I always I want to be a man. I want to be the best man, and I only can be shown this this way. So I ain't no days off, you know. So uh, I used to think sleep is for suckers. So there's some women that are grinding and they're grinding. I just say light nap, sleeps off for suckers. But uh, you gotta rest sometimes. So that's how you renew. And so to renew your mind, your body, and your spirit by getting the rest in or just celebrating. Celebration comes with that endorphin kind of burst of things. And so, but it keeps you ready for the next thing, you know, gets you because you know how to tap into that feeling again. So, again, it's been so, again, I'm over 40. Okay. Right. And like you said, you start to think about 40 years behind us. If I get another double of what I am, I've had. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But we still need to be taught because I was taught from kind of the older generation. You just work. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't see my dad take a vacation. I mean, unless he was taking us and that. Taking your kids on vacation is not a vacation. Right. It's really like work. Right? <laughs> I didn't see my grandfather take a vacation. I saw him go hunting, but I have no interest in hunting or fishing. You know why? Because I'm always moving. So I got to stop and, and be still to do those things. And so how do we... Other than getting around the right people, I know that's one, but how do you help somebody like me um, get to a point where I want some gratification now? I want to make sure that in the long run, I feel it all Uh and I can 
you know, enjoy it all, but like now along the way, what is that? What do we do? You know, um, you have to be able to do taste sometimes for yourself. And sometimes that we're so occupied with doing for others, doing in our business that we don't even know what makes us happy. And so you figure it out for you is that, am I happy by just sitting, um, how long do I like just going out to different restaurants? Am I interested in just um, having a um, friend gathering or just kind of what is it that makes you happy? And you got to add more of that into your life. Yeah, more than, because like, like because in the end, eat. in the end, when it's all said and done, you want to say, yeah, I did everything it is that I wanted to do. Because what are, you, what are you working for? But one of the things that my mom used to say, sometimes it's kind of, I think of like, oh, mom. But then I think of like, it's good. she was like, you know, that's what, what you're working for then. That's what you work for. That's what you work. Go spend that money. That's what you're working for. And I'm thinking like, mom, sometimes, because, you know, their financial thoughts are, are how they did. It was like, you know, financial, you're moving this and they may not know. But she's absolutely right. Then what are you doing it for? No, what, go ahead and celebrate sometime. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I'm teaching other people how to build wealth, right? And financially, the money is always going to come, right? Right. But the money is, can come and go. Absolutely. They can say tomorrow the American dollar is worth nothing. So what have I built? What, and all of this is for what, right? Yep. I like what you said when you first started, mental wealth. Mm -hmm. And I want to I wanna definitely... How do I build up mental wealth? That's like, how do that's I store it up? Can I pass mental wealth to the next generation? Absolutely. And so what, what you talked about before is that you never saw your dad go take a vacation or your granddad. And so, so they pass that to you. So then what you're doing right now, the habits and the things that you do ongoing, you're passing that to your children. You either they either say, "Oh, I'm gonna be just like that and workaholic," or I'm not gonna do any of that. That he this is one or the other. But your mental wealth part is the piece on there that you're saying that um, if I acquired all this finances and I cannot enjoy it, then so what? Or I have not enjoyed it. The mental wealth part is about the memories that you create for yourself. So I got all this money, and so what? I can remember like, oh yeah, we worked really hard for that. What did you enjoy with it? Because the purpose of acquiring the worth is to allow you to be have, able to have this lifestyle, this freedom that other people don't have, the freedom to be able to do what you want, to be able to live your summers off, you know what I'm saying, or not work any of that. So then what are you acquiring the wealth for if you don't get a chance to enjoy it just now? Mm. So the fear of not being able to enjoy it now but hopefully later uh -huh. is that I'm always able to provide because right. I have and, and a lot of that comes with continue to work on myself mentally is remembering the really bad times mm -hmm. it, it actually it actually is stronger than remembering Damn, you remember when we were okay I remember man I don't want to be and a lot of us say man I don't ever want to feel like I slept yeah. in the car you know, thank God I've never had to sleep in the car, but I don't, I don't ever want to. Remember the paper food stamps? Mm -hmm. so I remember those. So a lot of people got EBT cards, EBT, EBT cards, but they look just like debit cards, yeah. so we don't know the difference. So, so you don't know the difference. But the stigma of holding that book in your hand, the brown one, the blue one, right? right? <laughs> the blues or the purples the purple or the whatever, or whatever colors, yeah. Right? So, you, you know, some of that's in the back of my mind. You, you know what I mean? Um, and so I think sometimes, and like you said, since my dad passed on, Hard work, like really hard work. Working for yourself, being an entrepreneur, but really hard work, right? 
I never seen him take like, okay, yo, I'm gonna take Sunday off for really? just me, right? What what you said earlier, uh, like your memories, you know, um, it triggers. That's trauma. Mm. So it's trauma. Uh, that it, it is it's traumatic. It brings up as um, triggers. So when I think of this memory, it triggers a, a response. The response that it triggers for you is that I'm going to work harder because I don't ever want to feel like that again. The feeling of knowing what that paper food stamp felt like or what it felt like not having or being able to provide is stronger than any other feeling that you have. So that, that that's why it triggers you to work that way. So then it's a trauma response while you're working so hard. So then you have to be able to um, one manage the trauma and all of that, you know, getting in depth into that, but also create have new memories and so other memories become in the forefront of that. Does reading, so, does reading a book help? You know, read, read, read I've read book. it three or four times. Yes. Now. So yeah. reading the books helps. It's more, really more on um, you moving towards your purpose piece on it. That trauma piece on there and building resilient. Uh, this summer, I did a lot of training uh, just around uh, the nation about um, building resilient, uh, being resilient. Uh, and that resilient piece comes, everybody's going to experience some type of trauma in your life. Um, things will be harder. And so it's not that, you know, you won't experience how you respond to that trauma how do you become resilient more resilient and that doing that i did a whole um test on how resilient you are and says about 57 percent of americans are less resilient than they think they are usually 83 percent thinks they're pretty strong and resilient about 57 percent are you know how do you bounce back it really is how do you bounce back and um so you seem to be pretty resilient uh, yeah, probably. Yeah. Your bounce back, your game is strong. <laughs> You're pretty resilient. But uh, in that resilience, it's, it's other things in yourself. And then, you know, um, taking time for yourself and some other, you know, ways of building, help building resilience and uh, creating those new memories and uh, being able to uh, smile and laugh and your circle, your inner circle, and those people are that. Um, but what you have to convince yourself and remember that I'm no longer there. So that's when you like you stuck those old old memories come back up. Like I don't ever want to feel like that. It is a good motivator, but every time you need to be motivated, you think of a traumatic experience to motivate you, and you're reliving it. So it's kind of it's, it's not necessarily the healthiest. Yes. Yeah. But now you said trauma. Yes. So you know, when I think about trauma, I only think about physical. Trauma, trauma, really? Right, the ER, like you're going. <laughs> so again, I'm going to talk to the men, right? How do we know, like, when you just said that, like, that was trauma as a, as a kid, but I didn't go to the ER. You didn't right? go to the ER, I didn't you didn't go to the mental it? ER. Right. Because we were told, hey, shut up, you're going to be all right, go in there, take a shower, watch your face. Go to school. And get, right. it get it you together. You think about this. So there are different kinds of trauma. You got chronic trauma. You got acute trauma. Um, you think about if I lived in the hood, right? Mm -hmm. If I got my backpack on, every day I walk home, I'm securing my backpack, and I'm making sure nobody get it. I'm looking around, making sure nobody jacked me for my shoes, my starter coat, all of that stuff. And I kind of go, I do this every day. That's repeated trauma every day. For us, it's just kind of, oh, it's just my way of living, but it's trauma. In my head, I am thinking of a safe, because any time you feel it unsafe or you witness unsafe or, you know, traumatic things, death, whatever it is, but that's trauma. Every day I go there thinking, like, let me lock my car, let me put my jacket on my hip so somebody else still. It's, tra it's trauma. 
Every time you go to the store and you like, your mama see you up there and say, here, take this one dollar food stamp. <laughs> you try to buy this, so you get the ninety cent out. You know, anytime you go up and you shake and you try to see who in the store, people that looking and stuff at you, it's a traumatic situation every time. You know what's bad about that? Cause we was all up there using the same food. Everybody in there had the same socioeconomic background, right? <laughs> so when should we? Let's say I'm forty, right? And like you talked about, you issued a residency test or right. program. When should we, is there a trauma test? When should we, like today, everybody that's watching it, like what should we do? Because all of us got some. Some type of right? trauma. Which is blocking because all of us want to build wealth. All of us want to live great. Right. right? It's, it's very rare that somebody doesn't want to live mm -hmm. great and be able to try. Even if you don't need the, the cash, you want to take the vacation and just live your life. Live your life. But it's stopping us, those traumas back there. It's stopping us. It's something that's hurting us. When should we start testing or what what should we do? The screening. So th it's, 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 um, it's those things from your past that hold you hostage. That's mm -hmm. that's really the, those trauma, that trauma, traumatic stuff. It varies from person to person how they manage trauma. You can have a household of five children. They all could have been in a household, an abusive household, physical abuse, verbal, all of this. Um, and... Five of them turn out one way, and, and two of them turn out a whole different way. Trauma never affected them. So it's how they process trauma. You could look and think about your own family. You can think about families that you know, like, God, since how resilient that person was. Each person's resilience is uh, their ability to bounce back is a little bit different. But um, when it starts to not allow you to progress, so whatever the experiences are in your life and whatever it is that you are, um, you've been through, when it starts to really affect your daily living activity, your ability to move forward, how successful you are, you may start thinking like, let me go to a professional so that we can kind of dive into it a little bit and think about what is it from my past that's keeping me from holding me hostage or keeping me from being my best self. And so when you start to look at that, that's when you need to know. And so from my professional, let's see that sometimes people are like, oh, you know, it may be something at work where I can't move forward. They are hiring me. It may not necessarily be the absence or lack of skill or talent. It may be things from your past that's not allowing you to move forward. Mm. How do I identify that, though? Because, see, a lot of us, let's say it's an entrepreneur or somebody. I'm working a nine-to-five, mm -hmm. right? And... It's not getting where I want to get. I'm just not where I want to be. Some of it is, I'm just not going to get there because I'm not putting things in place. Not putting things in right? place. How do I determine what's the difference? Like, I work really hard. I get up every day. I want to be better, right? I'm watching all the podcasts. Mm -hmm. I'm watching YouTube. I'm reading all the books. I'm doing everything that I can, right? How do I know the difference in it's just not my time? or I ain't doing the right things, or I need to go revisit maybe that one stumbling block um, from the past. I think that's your time to get a personal coach. Mm. To get a personal coach. Um, but if you're talking about emotion, see, what made me notice your thing immediately is when you said these my memories of these bad times are were heavily than my good time. It lets me know there's some type of trauma. There's something there that happened. And so we may not necessarily use these eloquent words or all of the technical terms or this trauma. Stuff, but knowing that when there are things from your thoughts, because these are your thoughts now, your thoughts are happening, they move your actions. So my thought says that I don't ever want to live like that. So my actions that I work hard, I become a workaholic. I never stop work because I don't ever want to feel like I felt before that the mere past experience caused you to move that way. 
And so we all are really a sum of our, our experiences. But then when there's negative experiences that cause you to move that way, kind of, you know, some things from trauma. So you're thinking about that. So it may be hard for you to identify what it is. But if you're thinking like it is a negative past experience that caused me to act a certain way, then maybe I can talk to somebody else to help me to figure that out or reframe it or change it or help work through that. Because, you know, I, I, like, I'm okay. I'm going to talk about me, right? I can have 500 deals go right. Uh-huh. And one not go right. And that one that doesn't go right, I would let it drag me so bad. Like, I'm like, man, every day, like, I don't think about the 500 that went great. I only focus on that one, and I'm stuck <laughs> on that one. So that's part of, I don't know what it, what that is, but I promise you, when something doesn't go right, I get stuck on that thing. That, no matter how many things went right. You stuck on, or, but are you stuck on it thinking like, okay, where did I go wrong? What could I've done? Are you stuck on it blaming yourself, thinking like, God, how did I let this happen? Or that so one, it's you. It's, it's more. It's more I'm you than the technical situation. Than the it, situation. Yeah, it's me. I'm like, yeah, man, it's me. Like, how did I? How one? How did I let that happen? Uh-huh. Right. Uh, and we take the human fact out because you know a lot of times people say I act like a robot. You know the whole nine. But I processing that um, when something goes wrong drags along too long. Mm-hmm. And so that's why, you know, you have to lay your head back on the sofa sometimes. That's why you got to have those conversations. Because be- I know that. Like, and when I know something, I want to fix it, <laughs> but I need help fixing mm-hmm. it, which mm-hmm. is why we have amazing people like you Thank in this you. world to help us fix it, especially when we know what's wrong, yeah. or we know something's wrong, but we don't know how to fix it. Because you can't always fix yourself. I can right. say, man, I got a cold. But it's not going away. I can't keep giving myself cayenne peppers and, and lemon. Right? Time to go to the doctor. It's time to go get some yeah, help. Time to go to the doctor. And that's part of where a lot of us, and I go back to what you said about men, we, we, we mess up. Because we'll sit there and try to figure it out on our own. And yeah. it, it ain't, it ain't going to happen. And it's most part of your nature. But going there to fix it out, figure it out, help somebody else figure it out. Not being so hard on yourself. And that's one of the things about you know some of the ways of building resilience is to um, be kind to yourself. We speak to ourselves more than we speak to anybody else in this world and make what you say uplifting, inspiring. You're kind to yourself uh, for that because it is, um, you know, it's our inner voices. That inner critic is tough. That inner critic is tough, and especially when, it, when it's you. We've got a lot of outside uh, forces that's coming in that's criticizing. So why not you be that voice of inspiring to yourself? So be, be kind, kind to yourself. To yourself. A good one. Yeah, be kind to yourself. Yeah, and we got really tough on ourselves sometimes, but be kind to yourself. Most of us are. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm definitely I'm tougher on myself than anybody else could imagine. Like outside being, Mm -hmm. even you know, as a kid, my parents, you know, when I got a, it's only a few times I got less than an A. Yeah. But when I got it, oh god, I remember just like in my head, people like you all right, you still got an A average, but I didn't get an A on that test. Uh huh. So I feel crazy. You see what I'm saying? And it, I can now look at my habits now and go back 30 years. You can trace it back to your eight. Uh, your person, by the time a child is eight years old, their personality is set for the rest of their life. Is it? At eight years old. So eight-year-old shy you was probably a who if you're a shy eight-year-old, if you were outspoken, you think about yourself eight years old, your personality is set. And so who you were eight. Now we learn differences. Let's say if I was shy, I know that in my head as a professional, I gotta get up and speak in front of this crowd. But 
at um, eight years old, your personality is set. So it goes back that far. So that's why when you have that window of children from birth through eight, it is a critical time and help develop that. So when you were talking about my daughter as a public speaker, by the time from three to five, all she did was see her parents speak up, say so it was no big deal for her. Mm. It's what we're showing. But you're showing that they it's developing. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, because as whole a parent, nother, yeah. I, I think about, and and when, when I feel like I'm putting a lot into my kids, I remember three of my kids from one through eight had to go through a traumatic experience of uh-huh. divorce during the time of the last recession. Yeah. Right? And so sometimes I think about it now, like, hmm, I wonder how that affected them. Mm-hmm. So then that's a whole nother animal that jumps on my head. Yeah. Right? Because I want to be happy and satisfied with being a great parent. Yeah. Right? And I've done a great job, I think, and I'm going to continue to do it because we we're always a parent as long as everybody's around. But I wonder, again, how that's affected me, either trying to overcompensate or um, being too overprotective mm-hmm. uh, of what happened when I think about from one to eight. Now, looking at some things, right? Woo. Yeah, that's a whole nother topic. That's a, that's a whole nother one. That's, that's a whole Absolutely. Nother, that's something that, because again, a lot of my gratification, and I know it's going to come 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. When I can look back and say, you know what? Um, preferably, you know, I'm a great granddaddy a few times. With mm-hmm. some, you know, and I got my vision for what I want, right? But all of my kids are grown at that point. Mm. Like really grown. Because like, <laughs> they 21, 26, 19. So very know, grown, absolutely. Really grown. They're going to be like who we are now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, how do I, from now until then, do my best job? I and mean, that's just a question. Like, that's a, yeah, a ongoing question. That's in an that. ongoing question. Uh, how do I, and I, I want to go here with your book, how do I find my 14 ways of my amazing, right? Find your amazing. To find my amazing. And how long does that take? And I know it takes different time, but let's talk about the book before we. Before we, so, so the book is 14 Ways to Find Your Amazing. It, it is a, a stitching of the work that I do in my practice. And so there are 14 essential steps and talking about, you know, how to start on this journey to find your amazing. We are all somewhere between once upon a time and happily ever after. So, you know, you're in the forest and the goal is always to get to the happily ever after. And, you know, you'll face a lot of different things. You think about any fairy tale, a lot of different things along there. But what the book identifies is a, a model. There's a model called the amazing model, which starts with vision, preparation, faith and gratitude. And within that, when they're all used, you know, it, it allows you to. To live this amazing life. I've worked with quite a bit of people that I would think amazing, the world would think amazing, and I realized that they had patterns, uh, and then they had different things that, you know, kind of watched their habits and those patterns, and these are some different things that they all had in common was that vision, that preparation, that faith, and that gratitude that led them to have these amazing life. And so kind of in the book, the 14 Steps guides you on this journey to incorporating all of those in there to be able to be your best self, your best you. You show out every time we talk. <laughs> I, got, I got one last question before yes. we, we stop. On that journey to finding my purpose and being amazing, right? What do you think about delayed gratification and how that plays a part in it? So with the delayed gratification, uh, I think that um, one word that sticks to me was delayed. Then why, do, why is it delayed? 
You know, um, you talked about for the ongoing gratification for that. And I think that's a piece of helping to build that resilient part because tough times going to come. But when you have some of the, um, when you have things that you can think about, these were a good time, it fuels you, keeps you moving. It knows that I can get back to a place where it felt like that. And that's what we all connect in our emotions. The emotions at times when things were bad, that's what you try to avoid. But then you remember when those emotions are very good and those are things that you want to have add more of your life into. So, you know, take these guys, take those every opportunity to celebrate yourself, to count your wins, to pat yourself on the back, to, you know, inspire yourself to be good and talk good and kind to yourself uh, during those times. And so, you know, give it to yourself right then. You know, don't deny. Now, delay, you know, you know, they love to say delay. You know, it's not denied. It's not. But um, but every opportunity that you can, you should give it to yourself to be that. Jennifer, thank you for being on the Delayed Gratification Podcast. I'm going to have to get you back, though, because I'm coming I, back. I, it was about an hour worth of stuff. Yes. I wasn't able to ask you. Yeah. But, uh, we're going to come back. I'm coming back. I'm going to be a regular. Uh-oh. Uh -oh. Thank you for being here. Thank, <laughs> thank you, you so much that. for having me. Thank you. Yes.